Thank you for downloading this sermon from Heritage Baptist Church. We are so glad that you did. We believe that biblically faithful, Christ-centered, God-glorifying local churches are the primary means that God has chosen to expand His kingdom. If you are part of such a church, we hope that this message will supplement your spiritual diet. If you aren't yet part of such a church, we would love for you to visit us. For more details, please check out our website www.heritagebaptist.co.za God, if we wear the armor of God and we are obeying God in 
expect victory in this war. And in this last section, we're going to study the armor of God, but especially from verses 18 to 20, Paul gives us our secret weapon in our spiritual warfare. How to be strong in the Lord. Now, of course, when it says be strong in the Lord, the main way we do that is by taking the armor of God. So you are strong when you take belt of truth, when you wear righteousness as a breastplate, when you have the gospel ready to share, ready to reconcile with a brother, right? That is how we are strong. And then lastly, you are strong in prayer. That's how you depend on God's strength. That's a practical way to do verse 10. Be strong in the Lord is to be praying. Prayer is to be seen as part of our weaponry against the devil. You know, um, the, the first couple of pieces of the armor is, is all defensive, right? It's to protect the breastplate, the belt, the shield, the helmet. But the sword is an offensive. And I would argue that prayer as well, prayer is to be seen as part of our weaponry against the devil. We know this because of the flow of thought that verse 18 is not a new sentence. So don't miss this, okay? So let, I'm going to read verse 17 again and just feel the flow as we read it again. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit. Do you feel it? It's like it's just one flow. This is part of our armor that we need to wear and that we need to use against the devil. And the idea is this, that in every piece of the armor of God, you have to accompany it with prayer. So tighten the belt of truth with prayer. Put on the breastplate of righteousness with prayer, with all prayer. Have your shoes of readiness for the gospel with all prayer. Prayer is to be flavoring everything we do. This is ironic. When you think of a soldier and someone that's charging into battle, right? So when you think of warfare, you see the soldier rushing into battle with his sword and with his armor on. But when you see the Christian soldier, you must see him on his knees. That's how we win. That's how we fight, right? We are strong when we are weak. That's the irony of this gospel that we believe. Because as we realize our weakness, we will realize our need for God to help us, to support us, to provide for us, to give us the victory. Prayer makes us feel the weight of Psalm 127 verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house in vain, do we labor, right? In vain do we try to plant churches. In vain do we try to disciple. In vain do we try to evangelize the lost without prayer. It's in vain without the Lord's help. Prayer makes us feel our utter dependency for even our discipleship, our evangelism, because Paul says, 1 Corinthians 3, 6, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. God must give the growth. Prayer makes us feel the weight of Proverbs 21, verse 31. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. So we might call our spiritual warfare a dependent discipline. A dependent discipline. We ought to be disciplined, right? A soldier needs to be fit. A soldier needs to be training, Right? You don't send a lazy soldier into battle. That's also a recipe for failure. Okay? You need to be disciplined in the armor of God, in prayer, in Bible reading, in sharing the gospel. That takes work. That takes discipline. But it's a dependent discipline. 
the victory belongs to the Lord. We do that, we discipline ourselves as we depend on God to give us the victory. You see, so the war horse must still be prepared for battle. God won't do that for you, but the victory belongs to the Lord. That's the full sides of the verse for us to be waging warfare successfully. Now, this section we're going to study is one of the most comprehensive and compact teaching on prayer, I would say, in the entire Bible. Have you noticed the word all? Look at verse 18 again. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, with, uh, to that and keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Okay, summary of the verse. All prayer, all the time, with all perseverance for all the saints. We can do the benediction. No, we're not. Okay, we're going we're gonna to break down those, those, those verses together and we're going to look at five aspects of biblical prayer. Five aspects of biblical prayer. Now, I decided to, to take a prayer passage, maybe just because I covered your prayer so much, and like, keep doing this for us. <laughs> keep doing what, you ever, what you're doing on Sunday, every Sunday. Don't stop. But the first aspect of biblical prayer is this. Prayer must be continual. Prayer must be continual. And we see it right at the start with, with verse 18 at the beginning. It says, praying at all times. Prayer to the believer is to be like breathing for us. It should, it should occur naturally. It should occur throughout the day. Now, of course, this doesn't mean you should literally pray 24-7, non-stop, don't sleep, don't eat, don't do anything. Right? Then you will be disobeying God in many other passages of the Bible. That's because we are limited creatures. We, we can't. God, I don't think God expects us literally to be going throughout our day without stop praying because we are people of dust. God has made us with limitations, and that's not bad. God made us limited and said it is very good. So we shouldn't despise, you shouldn't despise yourself for not being able to pray 24-7, right? That's not humanly possible. But what I think the attitude that is addressed here when it says pray at all times is rather the attitude of your heart. Where does your heart go when it has free time? If I can use that phrase. Do you do your work with the Lord in your peripheral view, right? You're doing your work, but the Lord is never far away in your communion, right? Why does, the, does your heart tug north? Is the, the needle of your compass pointing due north? So before you have that lunch with that friend, do you pray? Do you ask God for help? Do you ask God for wisdom? Do you ask God to give you courage? Before your Bible study, before you come to church, do you ask God, may this Bible study, may this sermon, may this service make me more like Christ? May we grow up into the image of your Son? Do you see? So you just praying all the time over everything you do that's the idea here you pray at all times in dependence on god so we pray before every event and especially events where you know the bible god's word will be shared this is where we are pleading with god god now please let this seed take root in my life in the lives of the people that hear me that hear these words and then in the same breath, I would say we should also pray after God's word has been, been preached. So beforehand and then afterwards, we water the seeds with prayer. We say, God, now 
use that word, use that scripture that we just heard. Lord, please make us a people like this. May it take root. When we have, so parents, when we are doing our family worship and we are sharing with those little ears Bible truths, Bible knowledge, we in the back of our minds say, Lord, now, now, Lord, take him now, save him now, Lord, do it now. <laughs> right? But in the front of your face, you should be calm. I remember there was this moment when me and my son, Jordan, we were in our family worship and I was sharing the gospel with him and I say, Jordan, you know, you can also pray. You can talk to God. Like, do you want to pray? He's like, no. No, I don't want to. It's like, okay, Lord, tomorrow, do it tomorrow, Lord. <laughs> but prayer is our secret weapon because it's a weapon against the enemy. What does, what does the devil do with the word of God? What is the parable of the sower teach us? What is the rocky ground? The devil is waiting at the doors after this service to steal the seed of the word of God, right? The seed are sown, people don't understand it, and the devil is ready, Satan is ready to snatch it away. And prayer is like, Lord, don't. Don't let that happen. Let the word now take root. Change that rocky ground, that thorny ground, into good soil by your grace. Now, I think the biggest encouragement I can give you, if you are like me and you struggle to pray and to pray for an extended period of time, is this. Don't start with prayer. When you have your extended time with the Lord, don't give the first moments of your devotion to prayer. Give it first to the reading and the meditation of God's Word. And you will see that as you just give yourself to the reading of God's word, so you ask, Lord, please speak to me as I'm reading my Bible, and then meditate upon it. You'll see how your meditation will flow into prayer. When the Lord brings out sins in your heart, you'll be repenting. When you see encouraging truths about God's character, you'll be praising God. So just let the Bible guide you. Let the Bible guide you in your prayers and see how you pray better as well. So that leads us to the second point of, second aspect of biblical praying. Not only must our praying be continual, it must also be spirit-driven. Our prayer must be spirit-driven. The rest of verse 18 says, praying at all times in the spirit. Now, what does that mean? Um, now, to start answering, study there's three rules to do good bible study i wonder if any of you knows know it yes okay so maybe it's been shared too much but i'm going to share it here anyway context context and then context okay that's the best way to do it now the context is read it in line with verse 17 don't so look at this how closely verse 17 and verse 18 helps us here it says take the sword of what of whom the spirit according to the sword of the spirit is to allow the the Spirit-inspired words to guide your prayers. And that's why one of the easiest ways to pray by the Spirit is to pray Scripture. Pray Scripture. Pray verses. That's why Bible memorization is so important, that you can pray certain promises over your heart, over your life, and you can, you can pray for other people according to God's will. You pray in line with Scripture when you say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done, your name be hallowed. That's spirit-driven because that's how he's taught us to pray. So whatever our prayers include, let it include Scripture. Let it include the Bible. But I want to say as well, I think it also means something more than just praying according to the Bible, according to the Word of God. Because remember, the Spirit is our comforter. The Spirit indwells us. The Spirit is our constant helper, our companion next to us to help us in our weaknesses. 
And there's a great parallel passage to this text that helps us, right? And there's another Bible study uh, rule. Scripture interprets Scripture. And there we go to Romans chapter 8, verse 26 to 27. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 to 27. Listen to this passage. Romans 8, verse 26 to 27. It says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Did you see how close that is to our text? The Spirit intercedes for whom? For the saints according to what? According to the will of God. Now here we see we should be praying for the saints according to the sword of the Spirit. That's according to the will of God. So there's such a close parallel here to praying for Christians and praying according to the will of God. That's Spirit-driven. That's what the Spirit does. So when we don't know what to pray for, the Spirit comes and helps us in our weaknesses to pray better for Christians, for other believers. Now, of course, you should, we're going to get to that path. We're going to get to this. We should pray for the lost, but there is a priority on the church, on the family of God. So I conclude that to pray in the Spirit is to pray according to the sword of the Spirit, independence on the Spirit for the saints. That would be my brief definition of what it means to pray in the Spirit. So, in other words, the more Spirit-filled you are, the more you will be praying the hour of the Our Father. The hour will be there in your prayer. You will be thinking bigger than your little life, your little problems. Now, again, it's good to pray for your, your anxieties, your, your problems. But the Spirit leads us onwards. The Spirit leads us to bigger things, to the kingdom, to our families in Christ. Now, you might say, where can I start to pray according to the will of God? If I need some Bible prayers... Well, you don't even have to go outside of Ephesians. There are two Spirit-inspired prayers in the book of Ephesians you can go to and just learn to pray according. That's Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 till the end, and also Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 till the end. So take, learn to take some of these prayers and keep it close by. Keep it close by your Bible, right, to, to pray according in line with that. Yes, the third aspect of biblical praying is prayer must be varied. Prayer must be varied. So prayer must be continual. It must be spirit-driven. It must also be varied. Look at verse 18 again. It says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. So I think that there it means all prayer in the sense of all kinds of prayer. Variety. Listen to 1 Timothy 2 verse 1. First of all, then, I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Now, I know this church, uh, in your Sunday, the morning service, you follow the ACTS acronym, and we also follow that. That's an excellent, biblical, balanced way to pray. ACTS, A stands for adoration. Starting, We start our prayer with adoring God, worshiping Him for who He is, His attributes. C, confession. We confess our sins before God. T, thanksgiving, we thank him for our lives, our, everything we have, every blessing we have, and S, supplications. And that's why we, we try to model that even every Sunday, that we can encourage you to start praying like that, right? We, we want to teach you to pray by praying. 
And again, I find this variety comes naturally after you've given yourself to Bible reading and meditation. Right? Some Bible readings will just lead you more into thanksgiving than other readings. And other readings will lead you more to just confessing your sins and realizing, I failed in this. Or other readings will just leave you standing in awe of who God is. So allow, again, even the Bible here to, to, to vary your prayers in that as well. So here's the fourth aspect. Prayer needs to be persistent. Prayer needs to be persistent. And the rest of verse 18 says, To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. We need perseverance. We need to keep on praying. When it seems that God doesn't answer our prayers. And I think that might be one of the biggest discouragements for the Christian is, Lord, I've been praying for this person to be saved for so long. Why isn't this person saved yet? Is it your will to save this person? And we are tempted to stop, to maybe conclude that maybe this isn't God's will, so I'm just going to stop praying for this thing. But my counsel to you would be this, that to never stop praying about a matter until God has answered clearly. So when you are still confused about the answer, don't stop asking. That's the idea. Keep persevering until God answers your prayer with a clear yes or no. And I want to say this is especially true when you are praying for unbelievers, family members who are not saved, and you are praying years for this lost family member. It just feels like God is not listening to your prayers. And you might be asking, isn't that the proof that God doesn't want to save that person? Why am I praying for years and this person isn't saved? But beloved, listen to me. Exactly the opposite is true. The very fact that that lost person has been burdened on your heart is the evidence that God wants to save that person. I want to read to you a quote here from Oswald Sanders. He says, The very fact that God lays a burden of prayer on our hearts and keeps us praying is prima facie evidence that he purposes to grant the answer. When asked, so this is when someone asked George Mueller, that great man of faith, when asked if he really believed that two men for whose salvation he had prayed for over 50 years, I'm not even that old yet. Okay, so this man has been praying for longer than I'm alive. 50 years, asked him, do you think these men would be converted? Listen to George Mueller's reply. He says, do you think God would have kept me praying all these years if he did not intend to save them? See, that should be our attitude. Expect the answer. And the quote ends, both men were converted, one shortly before and the other after Mueller's death. You see, sometimes the Lord answers your prayers after you've died. <laughs> so, sometimes he doesn't even answer it in your lifetime. And that's how God is. God is infinite in his wisdom. He sees the end from the beginning. You see, you just see your 2023. Right? You, we just see this little dot on our little timeline and we think this is all there is. And God sees eternity from eternity. He knows what's the best for both you and his glory. So can you not trust your heavenly father who sent his son to die for your sins? So don't give up. Trust God. Be persistent in prayer and see what God does. And the last aspect of biblical praying is prayer and this one might be surprising, is to be church-focused. Church-focused. Again, the end of verse 18. 
making supplication for all the saints. So I'm hoping you're praying for those Chinese brothers. <laughs> no, so I don't think it means every single Christian in all the world, we don't know them, right? But I think the idea is praying for all the saints, all those you know are saved. So where do we begin, right? Again, we begin with our immediate church family, right here at Heritage Johannesburg. Galatians 6 verse 10 says, Do good to everyone, and especially to those of the household of the faith. So yes, love other people, strangers, by praying for them, but especially love the people you know, your family. And your church is supposed to be your closest family. So think of concentric circles in your prayer life. So think by praying firstly for the people closest to you. So when I pray, I begin with my wife, and I begin with my kids, and I pray for them. They're the closest. Love your neighbor as yourself, and those neighbors are very close. Right? They're close, close. <laughs> okay? And you, have to, you better be loving them. So pray for the closest neighbor you have, your closest family. Then you start broadening, broadening out. Then I start thinking of the members of heritage. And I th start thinking of members here. And I start thinking of churches in South Africa and the country and then the world, right? You can think like that. And this is where your church directory is very helpful. If you don't have your church directory, get one, right? By email or print it out, get it. I don't know where you get your church directory, and keep it in your Bible. And then after you've read your Bible, start paging through. Start praying for those people by name. Lord, I'm praying for brother, praying for sister. I see their, I see their face. And when, then Sunday you come and you see those people, you're going to say, hey, I've been praying for you. What can I be praying more for you? Right? So that's why it's so good to be a member of a church where we commit ourselves, covenant ourselves to belong together because we become part of this prayer family that prays for one another. And that's one of my favorite things also just to do in family worship. So if you have a family as well, do that in your family worship. Teach your kids to start praying for the members of the church. Today we're praying for brother. Today we're praying for sister, this and this. Let's trust God to work in their lives. And your kids, start seeing them, hey, we've prayed for you. <laughs> okay. And they say, yo, these guys are super Christians, right? And they're just like very cute. And, um, but it's good. We want to teach our kids to pray like this. And here I believe the text also leads us naturally to also pray. So we think of church, family, but then also especially our pastors and our elders. Look at the rest of the verse in verse 19. Paul says, pray also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare boldly as I ought to speak. Beloved, are you praying for Lelo and Michael? And can I ask you to pray more for them than you currently are doing? They need your prayers more than you know. The devil knows he can do extraordinary harm if he can just win the leaders, if he can just defeat the leaders of the church. That fall would cause so many pains, so many hurts. And so therefore, pray for them regularly for their spiritual protection, for their families. Ask God, and every time they open the, the word, that it will penetrate the hearts of the members. Charles Spurgeon was once asked, what is the secret of his success, of his ministry? You know what he said? My people pray for me. That should be your attitude as well. We want this church to be successful. Let's pray for our pastors. Now, I find it amazing that Paul could say of himself that he is an ambassador in chains. In other words, he's in prison. But what is he asking for? He's not asking, please pray for my freedom. I want to be comfortable 
You know, I'm so, so uncomfortable here. He says, no, please pray for two things. I need words and I need boldness to say those words. So notice verse 19. He says, pray for me that words may be given to me. I need words. We, as the proclaimers of God's word, and even in your evangelism, right, you need words. You need the best words. How many times have you, after a conversation with someone, you said, if I only said that, man, that was the perfect reply. And I was just either too scared to say it, or I just didn't have those words. And this, this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. Lord, give me the words. I need the the best words, the most persuasive words, the most direct words, the most loving words, the most truthful words that's going to make your gospel clear to this person. Lord, I need help. All right, this is again that see yourself on your knees. The soldier wins when he's on his knees. But words alone don't mean anything without the boldness to say them. And that's why, look at the rest of verse 19. Twice, Paul says, Pray for me for words, but then in the opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chain, that I might declare it boldly, twice. So it's like, okay, if you forget. Boldness and boldness. I need boldness. So we are praying that we would fear people less and love them more. Lord, we want to stop being scared of what people think of us. And we want to just love them for what they really need. People need truth. They need the gospel. The best of friends will tell people the most truth. What's that proverb, right? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Isn't that such a beautiful verse, right? Your best friends hurt you with telling you the truth. And that's what we need. We need boldness. Now, I don't know about you. But I find this incredibly encouraging because of one simple observation. Who is making this prayer request? The Apostle Paul. Okay, let me say it again. The Apostle Paul is asking for boldness. We would have said, Paul, you don't need boldness. You're Paul. Right? I mean, you're planting churches left and right. You're writing the Bible. Come on, man. You have other problems than boldness. I'm sure that's not one of them. And that's encouraging, isn't it? He's a man like you and me. He also was tempted with the fear of man. He was tempted to remain quiet when he had to speak and to speak when he had to remain quiet. And so he said, Lord, give me words and give me boldness. And here's the encouraging thing. He says, church, you need to pray for me for that. I need even your prayers to do that for me. Like, I don't even feel my own prayers alone will give me that answer. I need more people to strive in prayer for me. That's how weak Paul was. That's how weak he was. That's how dependent he was on other people's prayers. And so with you, beloved, pray for one another. Don't be scared to ask one another, hey, I'm meeting with this friend. I need words. I need boldness. Please pray for me. Share those prayer requests throughout the week. Then don't grow weary. Pray, ask, trust, and in due season we will reap. And then, beloved, what an encouragement to know that our Lord is praying for us. Right? I want to say there's only real, really one prayer warrior, and that's the Lord Jesus. He prays for us. He's interceding for us. The Spirit is helping us in our weakness. You are not alone in your prayer life. So may we frequently bring our requests to our Father 
in the name of the Son who loved us and bought us with his own blood by the power of the Holy Spirit who helps us in our weaknesses in our prayer. Let's pray together. Father, forgive us for our prayerlessness. Lord, forgive us for our lack of trust that you are good, that you are inclined to answer our prayers. Lord, thank you for your word that teaches us how to pray, how to pray biblically. Lord, we recognize we are in this spiritual war with the devil and his schemes and his lies. Even as we evangelize and share the gospel with others, we know, Lord, that that also is a form of spiritual warfare. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us the words, give us the boldness to share your truth in such a way that it will change people's hearts. Lord, I pray for this church, that this church will be known as a house of prayer, that when, when this temple of the, of the Holy Spirit, this gathering of saints, individually and corporately, will be seen as a body of believers who give themselves frequently to prayer in trust with you, Lord. Lord, we're looking forward to see in heaven how you have answered our prayers, every single one of them, in your own way, for your own glory, and for our eternal joy. We give you the praise and the thanks in Jesus' name.